Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. You're looking at me in disappointment before I even say it because you know I'm going to say it. People are going to get mad at you and I'm going to give them your address. (laughs) That's fine. It's not every day your team goes to the AFC championship game, buddy. People can get as bad as they want. Nobody's wiping this smile off my face for a week. The Red Wings, no matter how bad they play, will not be able to wipe this smile off my face this week. And no, Detroit, do not take that as a challenge. Okay, first of all, don't push the limits. We <laughs> we only just got Red Wings hockey back. Uh, secondly, you're talking to the most dis like not distraught, but just like cold, dead sports fan base probably in America right now. Uh, most of the listeners, in addition to being Red Wings fans, are also Lions fans. Um, we are broken, and we're currently like with the Lions. It's like. Um, Oh, but it can't get worse from here. And then like the monkey paw, not the monkey paw curls, but then like it's a record scratch and it gets worse. We're currently in the is Stafford going to leave phase. And like that's just a special kind of pain that we don't have the emotional capacity to process. So if you're going to sit here and brag about your Buffalo Bills being in the AFC championship and the only thing between you and a Super Bowl appearance is Chad Henney. Brad, I will give every one of these people your address. And it'll be worth it. (laughs) Now, that being said, so here's my argument to that. Obviously, because of this, most of my Twitter followers are also Lions fans. And I am super appreciative of all of my followers putting up with the Buffalo Bills bullshit on my timeline. I am aware there's a lot of it lately on game days. The one thing that's actually been shocking, but overwhelmingly awesome is Because the Bills and the Lions were so crappy for so long together, Lions and Bills fans can relate to each other. So the Lions fans in my timeline have been happy to see the Bills winning because they're like, if they can do it, maybe one day we can do it. And I mean, Matt Pat's gone. So maybe, maybe that's next year. I'm just saying like things are changing in Detroit. Maybe not for the better in the short term, but for the long term, you know, <laughs> things are doing the same thing. I'm not going to sit here and promise you a playoff uh, appearance next year, but hey, you know, maybe, but I'm just saying they are, ve- they were very similar franchises for a very long time. So that brohesian, we'll call it, has been overwhelmingly positive on my timeline. I brohesian fun new word thank you Brad um <laughs> I can't appreciate having a good sports team to make all of the like the major stuff with the Red Wings a little bit more palatable that's what the that's what Liverpool has been for me and for Evan that's what I don't know having billions and billions of dollars is for him um but yeah uh, Brad is happy for your sports and uh you'll you'll put your money in the tip jar and for now, we are going to, unfortunately for you, move on to uh, the Detroit Red Wings. Welcome Who to the Wings Wheel Podcast. They won yesterday. What is <laughs> they won. this reality I'm living in? Uh, some malicious god up there is uh, giving you a bunch of good things only to slap you really hard soon. I mean, I think it might have. The optimistic view here was it's the opposite because 2020 just slapped all of us consistently for a very long time. I'm going to chalk this up to this is um, the reverse monkey paw for the draft lottery. Yeah, we'll, we'll take that. I mean, I'm 
those three days of training camp made up for the draft lottery for me personally. I don't know. Oh, hundred percent. You know what would make up for the draft lottery for me personally, not you guys, but for me, a Buffalo Bill Super Bowl. Stop. No, you were not mortgaging away Red Wings uh, karmic <laughs> debt for Buffalo Bills crap. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. <laughs> Putting up with this guy trying to railroad this show. I'm Ryan Hanna. Uh, unusually happy. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. <laughs> Evan. Have you ever known Brad to be anything other than unusually happy? No. I actually have not. 2020 was just a thing, guys. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah, but you're always, like, annoyingly happy. Like, I I need to cheer myself up before I see or talk to you because you're always going to be at, like, an 11 in terms of cheeriness. And I'm like, if I'm not at an 8, if I'm at a 6, I'll stab him. (laughs) (laughs) The differential's too high. Uh, make it this, till you make it on this episode of the wing Wheel podcast uh not a lot of faking it because there's a red wings win to to talk about uh so we'll be breaking that down talking a little bit about uh player storylines uh good bad ugly everything in between uh bobby ryan zadina mantha um evan not actually evan uh and then maybe chatting a little bit about the rest of the nhl and then probably just jumping into overtime i love having game recaps that's it's been so long since we've been able to do game recaps. I know it's talking about a hockey game. <laughs> it's it it like the concept just feels weird, doesn't it? Because like we talked about the playoffs in the summer, but we didn't have any horse in that race, so our we've heart done, really wasn't into it. We've done speculation for basically the past ten months. We've just yeah. been speculating, tons of speculation all the time, and now we're done. What? What uh, what's Jeff Blashill's line uh, combination? What's that going to look like in three point two five years? Provided that the Red Wings have like it's just it's nice to have substance. <laughs> so, um, actually, I keep looking at this. It just popped up on my screen again. Calendar a mat a, a twelve p.m. game tomorrow. I get it. Like it's a COVID season. They just need to get the games in, and they're not always all going to be pretty times. But like. 12 p.m. on a Monday, really? Yeah, that's confusing as all hell. So apologies if we don't cover that uh, fully because, you know, uh, we work. Yeah, I'll try try to have the game on in the background at work. Uh, Might not be possible. That's going to be the game where like Zadina scores three different of the greatest goals of all time. And Evan's the only one of us covering it. He's going to pull a lacrosse move just to spite us. Yeah. The Michigan, if you will. Oh, yeah. 100%. Speaking of Svechnikov, uh, the Red Wings played their second of two uh, games against Carolina last night and came through with the win. First Red Wings victory of the year, and we only had to wait until the second game, which was nice because the first game was um, predictably rough hockey to watch. Yeah. And I'm super happy that uh, earlier in the episode, you said I am one of the cheeriest, happiest, go lucky guys. Uh, you know, because even though the Red Wings won, I'm still going to be very negative about this game because that, uh, by and large, was a terrible game from the Red Wings again. But this is what's different with the Red Wings this year because we knew, I think we all knew that coming into the season, Grice and Bernier were going to be good. And through two games, they've been very, very good. They've been doing their part to send Detroit on a PDO bender. They have lived up to their expectations. Detroit shooters have not but in the second game there was just enough now here's the fundamental difference at least in a small way 
for the Red Wings this year to last year. The depth players are good enough to prevent the bad games from turning into 7-1 deficits. So even though the Red Wings had a very bad first period again, they treaded water, came out of it 0-0. The goalies did their part. You know, the Stetchers, the Merrills of the world did enough to limit the chances against despite Detroit only getting five shots on net again. But the biggest difference between last year and this year is Philip Zadina. And it's not necessarily Philip Zadina himself. It's the concept of having a Philip Zadina full-time. A guy with truly elite game-breaking skill, not on the Larkin Mantle line. Because we know that Larkin Mantle line is going to see tougher matchups generally, so we need that secondary scoring. The argument against Philip Zadina when I was talking about on Twitter how good of a game he had was, well, yeah, he had a couple points, but he wasn't super noticeable the rest of the game. Sure, he didn't make any mistakes, but it's not like there were, it was nonstop chances when he was on the ice. To which you're right. Here's the thing with guys who have Philip Zadina's skill. They don't need nonstop chances to make something happen. They just need one, two, three chances and something happens. Zadina made an all-world play to set up Bobby Ryan for the first Red Wings goal of the year. He stripped a defenseman of the puck from behind, crossbody, on his backhand, and immediately made a tape-to-tape pass to Bobby Ryan in front. I know I tweeted uh, that, that breakdown. That is not a play a normal hockey player can make. That is not a play an average NHL hockey player can make. And we talked, I think it was last episode or two episodes ago, that apparently in training camp, people were reporting that Zadina's puck hounding and puck retrieval and Datsuk-esque steals were very noticeable. There it is in gameplay. It took him one opportunity on that to turn it into a goal. Later in the game, he picks up a puck loose in the corner. Looks like he's going to go around the net. Short pass, front of the net. Robbie Fabry, two minutes to go. Red Wings up 3-2. Guys with that type of skill just need a couple chances because they know what to do with it. Now, yeah, I would have liked to have seen him make more chances. I'd rather see him have 10 shots on net and two points versus like three shots on net and two points, obviously. But the point being, he doesn't need them. It's the same with Larkin. I I will argue Larkin had a bad game in game two as well. But he made a great play on the empty net goal to seal the win, and he made a great play and got a lucky bounce on his goal. Much like Zadina, just needed those couple chances. He didn't make something happen every shift. He barely made anything happen offensively for the first two games. But when you're that good, you don't need much. And that's the difference with the Red Wings this year. And again, to le- to a lesser extent, Bobby Ryan's the same type of player, just older, slower. Don't expect him to do it as often as Zadina, but he can do it. Even on that, we talk about Zadina's praise on Bobby Ryan's goal. That was a strong side one T that Bobby Ryan did not whiff on and managed to get through Morazic. That's not an easy shot to make. So it's just, this is what we mean when we say the Red Wings need to get more skilled. And Eisenman did his job. Yeah. Um, you you referenced Zadina being the biggest difference maker, and you don't have to look too far back for to find us talking about that. It was, I think, the season preview where we said if we had to pick one 
spot on this roster that's going to make the biggest difference this season. It's not goaltending. It's not Bertuzzi, Larkin, Mantha. It's not the depth. It's literally Philip Zadina because there is no second line center on this team that's a true second line center. You know, whether Fabry um, is serviceable or, or sufficient in that role, like that's not a knock on him. He could be, but there is no uh, like Larkin level center or anyone really close. So that line needs to be driven from the wing. Like Brad said, Bobby Ryan is is going to be capable, but he's not going to be driving that line. Robbie Fabry is a good winger, but he doesn't necessarily drive a line himself, Not at least not all the time. Um, Philip Zadina, who has that star-level talent, has to be the one to do it. And, you know, again, it, same thing uh, as we said before, where we're not going to extrapolate from one uh, game and make a negative conclusion. We're not going to do it positively, so we're not going to say Zadina is going to have an elite season all year. But... We saw a game from Philip Zadina that represents the ability that he has underlying. If he can pull out games like that consistently, consistently, that second line is driven by Philip Zadina, and he's emerging into his own. Um, that's the biggest difference maker on this team. And like you said, Brad, there's uh, there's enough guys who can do things to not just tragically give away a game where I'm not so concerned about 7 nothing or 7-1 or 7-2 losses anymore. They'll happen this year. There's going to be some ugly losses. It, it, it just happens when you're a bad team, and that's fine. But the, even the first game, it was late in the game, and I was like, man, Detroit is playing terribly. They're playing terribly. And it was still one nothing for most of the game. That's the difference in, that that's the difference that the depth in the goaltending makes. But yeah, in terms of what's really going to change and get wins on the board where we might not have had it before, it's like I have so many bad cooking analogies in my head. I'm just going to make Evan groan if I do it. Zadina is like, he's like salt on that second line. Like there's talent there, but it just needs to be enhanced. He's the salt in that, in that recipe. And, and make no mistake. That's still a below league average second line. Like it's, yeah, oh yeah. Like it is what it is, but it's better than last year. And, and I, I think the biggest indicator of why this is important and it, it sounds like we're, saying the Red Wings entire season rides on Philip Zadina. And that's not necessarily what we're saying. But if I told you before the season that the Red Wings are going to play one of the better teams in their division twice in a back-to-back and the top line would play the two worst games I've ever seen them play and Detroit would come out of that 1-1, you'd say I was high. You would never yeah. believe it. Because last year, there would have been zero chance. If the top line played as bad as they did these last two games with last year's roster, we're probably talking about a couple of 6 nothing losses. But it didn't happen. I mean, obviously, most of the credit for these two games goes to Bernier and Grice. Like, I'm not sugarcoating that at all. Um, they are going to have to be the Red Wings' two best players this year. That's just the cold reality of it. Through two games, they have been. Um, in the second game, the Red Wings got their secondary scoring, um, which matters. Um, and... And they pulled it through. Like, they still have their glaring weaknesses on this team. Like, they are getting caved in shot differential. If you're an analytics believer in expected goals, Detroit is dead last in the entire NHL through two games out of 31 teams. So, based on where they should be right now, they are the statistical worst team in the league. But, you know, it's it's growing pains. Now, not every team's Carolina. Not every team's a shot generation monster like Carolina. So the shot differentials won't always be this bad. They do get, what, eight games against Chicago this year. Um, So we got to take that all with a grain of salt. But yeah, it's, it's a bad start to the season. 
but at least the things we needed to start seeing from players, not not from the team, not from the systems, but from the players we've at least seen. Fabry seems to be holding his weight at center. Bobby Ryan came in and he did in his first game what we hoped he'd do. Zadina's outperforming expectations. The new guys, the experiments, if you want to call them, have looked good. Troy Stetcher and John Merrill have been revelations on the blue line. Um, Vlad Nemesnikov apparently can't finish a goal to save his life, but he's getting chances and he's not getting caved in his own end. That's a huge Fits win. Straight in. Yeah, he's he's basically Darren Helm when Darren Helm is on the He's the younger version of Darren Helm. Honestly. Um, so, like, the biggest problems with this team right now are, for the most part, the carryovers from last year that we couldn't get rid of and Mark Stahl. <laughs> but we got a yeah. second-round pick with him, so he came as advertised, which is catastrophically bad. Um, let's start off with Bobby Ryan. So, you alluded to this, Brad. He came in and did what we hoped he would all do. His first game back, um, he had to miss the first game due to COVID protocol. Um Injury. Injury, right? Sorry, I was it's so it's so muddy. Everything's called non-roster. Or you should just say unfit he's unfit to play. to play. Yeah, unfit to play. We're just going to use the same verbiage. Um, uh, Bobby Ryan came back his first game uh, with the Red Wings, continuing his like you know heroic comeback to the NHL after battling addiction last year. He you know he had that uh, hat trick game with Ottawa. Uh, comes in and scores in his first game with Detroit. And it's Detroit's first goal of the season because we won't talk about the first game. Um, easiest guy in the league to root for. Loved, loved, loved that that was Bobby Ryan's goal. I think that like a lot of Red Wings fans would have picked that uh, as like the storybook first Red Wings goal of the year. It's dramatic because it's the first goal of the year for a team that's going to be at the bottom of the standings. But it was just so good to see from Bobby Ryan. We only have like 70 more goals, so we have to enjoy every <laughs> single one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that um, might not be that far off as we would like to think. <laughs> And the way that goal came about, it's not just that it was a feel-good moment from Bobby Ryan. Bobby Ryan capitalized on a fantastic play from his teammate, Philip Zadina. Brad was talking earlier about his puck-hounding abilities. The way he stripped the puck, gained control, turned his body, and immediately made an excellent pass to a high-danger area, which is Bobby Ryan being in the right place um, and who fired it home phenomenal play like absolutely fantastic play and i was really happy that that happened um on the first goal because some people were saying zadina wasn't good in the first game i'm like no zadina was doing these kinds of things in the first game it's just nothing was really coming through carolina's defense is stalwart to say the least and red wings overall weren't very good but zadina made a fantastic play there that, that goal is actually a good example about why we get so angry over line combinations because you'd see Zadine and Fabry on, on the second line and people will go, well, yeah, we really just swapped out Val Fippler for Bobby Ryan. Like, why does that matter all that much? Because on that goal, all three players made the right play. Fabry was hard on the forecheck and he forced Carolina to make a risky short pass because Zadina was closing on the guy. And so Fabry forced the turnover, Philip Zadina got the turnover and Bobby Ryan went to the right spot. All three of them did what they were supposed to do. That resulted in a goal. I don't have confidence in half the roster to be able to do that. So when we say, oh, why is Darren Helm in the second line? Why is Val Philpola? Why is Adam Ernie up in the lineup? And people are like, relax, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it does for plays like that. Now, again, we're talking about one or two moments in a game. Like, I understand that on most shifts, it's not going to matter. But here's the thing. The mo- those moments matter a lot. There's a reason the Red Wings got shut out in the first game, and it was because they weren't clicking any of the lines. So 
the fact that now they have a second and third line that have actually played pretty well the first two games, all things considered. It's good. Like now if the top line gets going, <laughs> maybe maybe the Red Wings aren't getting like comically outshot every game. Yeah, it's funny because we're talking about the top line not being good through the first two games. Larkin scored twice last game. Larkin scoring twice was like one of them was an empty net goal and one of them was, you know, he he uh used the speed, took the puck behind the net and just tried to center it in front and instead it went off I can't remember who it was. Trocheck. Trocheck, yeah. It went off his skate and then his stick or something stupid like that and went in. Um and none neither of those are pretty goals and neither of those are like skill finesse goals, but Look, if your team is playing bad and you guys have been off for a year and you are severely behind the curve against, you know, teams in your division, Carolina, they're going to have to play eight times. Carolina was a playoff team. They've played much more recently than Detroit. You need to grind out those ugly goals. And at the same time, Larkin, Bertuzzi, Mantha need to be significantly better. Both of those things can be true. Um, And I think that's where we're at. So, this is why we're so happy with a a three or a four two results. One of those being an empty net goal because it's a game where Detroit didn't play. They got better from the first game to the second game, but not enough where you really would have won this game a hundred out of a hundred replays. You know, yeah, they they win that game like maybe one out of every five. <laughs> but and it it was what it was. We we are overanalyzing a. Win in the second regular season game of the year, but that's what we're going to do because we haven't feels got good. to analyze games in a really long time. Just this like the Red Wings, good. we're, uh, we're uh, brushing off our uh, analysis skills of of the games. It's yeah. going to take some time, shaking yeah. the rust off. Yeah, we need <laughs> like, some reps at this. Like more than a few Red Wings still need to do. Yeah, and on that note, let's chat about uh, Anthony Mantha. Oh, First boy. couple of games have not looked pretty. No, these are, I will argue, the two worst games I've ever ever seen him play as a professional hockey player. AHL, NHL, I don't care what level you want to talk about. He's Now, the thing that was a little irritating, understandable but irritating, was the, the Twitter narrative immediately jumped to, oh, what a lazy guy. He's always been a floater, yada, yada, yada. No, no, don't say that. Do not equate anything that's happened in the last two games with the last four seasons. Is this Quinton he- Byfield? Right. <laughs> no, there's something fundamentally different between Mantha and it's Byfield, like the, but we won't get into that. You know, the <laughs> meme with the two jacked arms and they're like high-fiving. It's like those yeah. two groups yeah, coming yeah, together yeah. to just shit on people. <laughs> yeah. But um, you can, if you're saying, oh, this is Mantha, this is who he is. He's, he's, a, he's a lazy floater. Okay, well, how is he almost a, if he was a lady floater, lazy floater last year and put up almost a point per game and consistently looked dangerous, why hasn't that happened the last two games? No, there is something different with Mantha this year. I don't bet on the fact that, oh, he's just being lazy because then where was that the last four years then? Because I've, we've went, I've went to hell and back on this podcast explaining that Anthony Menth is not a lazy player. It's because he's so big and smooth that what he does on the ice looks effortless. You say, oh, look at him barely skating, and then he wins the race. Oh, it looks like he's not even trying. Oh, he won the puck battle. Oh, he's in the wrong spot. Oh, he just danced through a guy and scored. Like, he didn't make those plays by not trying. No matter how hard it looked like he was trying, it didn't matter. He made the damn play. So let's get off that narrative right away. But that being said, it has to be something. 
So the easy answer and probably the most likely answer here is Rust. I mean, Bertuzzi's looked bad. Larkin's looked bad. A couple other players on the team have looked pretty bad. Fair. There's also the possibility that a few people toss around that did make a lot of sense because Mantha was barely moving out there. People are saying maybe he maybe he had COVID during the shutdown. It COVID absolutely decimates your lungs. So if his cardio is completely in the shitter, that would make a lot of sense with what we're seeing right now. He just he just can't keep up. He doesn't move. He doesn't battle for pucks. He's not making hard plays. He's he's literally just kind of standing there as an outlet for Bertuzzi and Larkin so he can give it back to them. And even then, it's not even getting to them half the time. Could just be a poor off-season conditioning routine. Um, big guys like him generally focus on strength training and workouts because, hey, you focus on your strength. That's what makes you good. But if you go too heavy in one direction and you neglect the conditioning, your cardio goes in the shitter. So maybe Mantha just had a really poor off-season uh, conditioning plan. Maybe he's hurt. Maybe there's an injury he's battling we don't know about. Maybe he's recovering from an off-season injury that we don't know about. Who knows? The dude's injury prone. It wouldn't be the farthest fetched thing in the world. I don't know if any of those are right, but it's one of them. It's got to be one of them because I'm not buying the, oh, he's just not trying narrative. You know what my answer is? He's a player who always has taken time to get warmed up and he had two bad games. End of story. It happens in hockey. I'm more concerned about this if this is five games in a row. He had what? seven points in his first two games last season. I'm not me. Mind you, that's with preseason, but still I'm, he had two preseason games last year and the same amount of training camp. So it's not that dramatically different where he goes from maybe the best two games he's ever played in his life to the worst two this season. I don't know. I, I chalk it up to some combination of rust and poor conditioning. That's my, that's my bet. That's what it looks like. Because again, he, he's getting hit and he's he's not doubling over on the ice. So I don't think injuries near the top of my guesses. And Blashill's not limiting his ice time. He's still jump throwing him out there 18 minutes a night. So I think if Mantha said, hey, I had the Rona or hey, I'm injured. I don't think Blashill would ride him as hard as he has. So I'm going to say he's just rusty and out of breath. <laughs> so that- I guess I've had COVID for 10 years at least because that's uh, yeah. <laughs> describes my symptoms on the yeah. ice as well. What what's it called? Occam's razor. The simplest solution is generally. <laughs> yeah, um, your point about the narrative, Brad. It's just it's funny because this is hypocritical. Because on this podcast, we break down and analyze you know one game, which is only the second game of the season for a long time. Um, but people who just take one small story and run with it, it's like you cannot, you cannot survive as a fan like your your sanity cannot stay intact if you're going to lose your mind over two games like this from a player you can talk about like uh, of course you can talk say like yeah mantha had a couple awful games like he looked like shit out there that it's factual that's fine to say but to say mantha's lazy or he's never tried or he was never as good as we thought he was it's like hey well let's just just relax a little bit please (laughs) like chill out twitter during that Second game made me realize a lot of people have not liked Anthony Mantha for a long time. And this is finally their excuse to vent it out. I always knew he was a lazy piece of shit was like the number one response in my timeline when I asked, okay, seriously, what's up with Mantha? Because he doesn't look right. That was like the top response or some variation of that. (laughs) 
Oh boy. Some like, I mean, I get it. 10 months of not being able to angry tweet about the Red Wings. I'm right there with you. I had, I had the pent up frustrations that I needed to get out too, but, but here's the thing. And this is why I hate when people just spew bullshit on the internet. And let me preface this by saying, I know that forever in the history of time, people always just spew bullshit on the internet. So I know it's not going to change, but Twitter.com slash Brad Crisco. Yeah. Mantha since juniors had that rep of, oh, he, he's lazy. He looks like he's floating out there again. I've tried to explain why that is, even though he's not a lazy hockey player, but it's stuck. And now when he has these two horrendous games, that's the number one storyline that pops up. And you know how it's just a Mantha thing and it's just people with a vendetta against Mantha for no good reason. You know who else looked just as effing bad the first two games? Tyler Bertuzzi. Do you know who hasn't had that reputation for the last four years? Tyler Bertuzzi. So Tyler Bertuzzi has played just as bad as Anthony Mantha, but why isn't that narrative going on around him? I mean, he's he's been as, like maybe not as bad, but pretty damn close. But but Bertuzzi not- doesn't break his hand when he punches people. Yeah, but that narrative isn't flying around. So to all the Mantha haters, if you want to call Mantha lazy pos. But you might, you should get on the Bertuzzi train too, because he's just as guilty. <laughs> um, hot or not, players? Who else had a really good couple of games, or who else deserves attention? I know Brad, you talked about Stetcher, you just talked about Merrill. Yeah, anyone else who stood out for you guys? For me, obviously, is the goalies. The two best games you could ask for to start the season from Red Wings goaltenders, in my mind. Yeah, um, obviously the goalies goes without saying. Um, Brome uh, was again noticeable. Uh, in the second game, not as much as he was in the first game, but noticeable, made things happen. Big fan. Um, Glenn Denning somehow had three breakaways, hit the net on none of them, but hey, good on him to actually get those chances. Again, right. Nemesnikov was effective. Uh, he, he'd he be the story right now if he could score. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fabry, again, a little bit of a redemption arc in the second game, which was good. Not there yet, but you know, I'll take any improvement I can get. Um, the Kaiser hasn't been great. Heronic hasn't looked like himself yet. Nemeth hasn't really caught back up yet. Yeah, not not too many standouts for me. Ernie's had a couple shifts that he was noticeable, which is more than I can say about any point last year. So that's a step in the right direction, I guess. But yeah, yeah, for by and large, not really many. Yeah. To really get a good assessment of where these players are at, I think we're going to be looking into mid-February in my mind. It's, yeah. It just takes time. And it's not like the NHL is not where you want to do a baptism by fire. Like, look at how many rookies have just had their development destroyed or severely impeded by coming into the NHL too soon. Um, coming in out of shape or coming in with a lot of rust, it's really, really difficult to do. And it's not like it comes off after a few games. All of a sudden, you're you're at game speed. Like... No, these team, uh, the rest of the league is also getting better every single game. So if they had a head start, that head start persists. So yeah, and and I still maintain too because I'm I'm trying to be optimistic here by saying guys like Fabry improved and Ernie looked noticeable in a couple of shifts. It's still very worthwhile for all Red Wings fans to go watch the rest of the NHL, watch other games because it really does put you in perspective how far behind this team is. Like I, Fabry, if I was holding him up to the standard of an average second line center in the NHL thus far this season, he's failing miserably, but he's put in a bad spot 
and he's got defensemen who, for the most part, can't get the puck to him, and a coach who doesn't have a system in place. I, I'm not even going to say a system in place that benefits him. I'm, I'm not even convinced there's a system in place at this point. So it's it's worth noting that we have to keep in mind two things. The context of how is a Red Wing doing versus the rest of the Red Wings, because that is a barometer that we absolutely need to keep an eye on. But then remember, what is a league average barometer so that we don't jump to a conclusion and say, Robbie Fabry is the solution at second line center for the next 10 years. If he plays well, there is a very strong possibility that Robbie Fabry will play well this year and will be happy with his play at second line center this year. And the answer at the end of the season should still be, yeah, no, this is definitely not the solution at second line center. Maybe he massively overperforms performs, and it is. I'm not betting on it, but maybe it happens. I don't know. We got to keep every option open. But those two perspectives and benchmarks need to be in the back of your head all season if you're trying to gauge where the Red Wings are at. Yeah, the, the side load storyline of is this good? per the league or is this good for just the context of the red wings rebuild it just applies broadly and it'll also give you a lot of context if you're wondering why we're you know negative when we should be happy about something or overly positive when the team just sucked ass for three straight games like that's to kind of give you some context there um goals for the red wings moving forward i think there's two games they'll play before the next time we we chat we'll probably be back on wednesday with our midweek um two games against columbus one of them at like noon tomorrow and the next one is uh, seven the next night. In my mind, there's two major goals, two key things that, that should be worked on. Um, first is the, the top line has to wake up. They need to be generating high danger chances. They need to, you know, maintain puck possession and they need to be like working off the cycle in the offensive zone substantially more. Um, pretty much the, the, the goal for them is keep or be better, like just be substantially better in every way and second in my mind is is for zadina to maintain um you know his effort and how he's been able to display his skill because like i said he wakes up whoever he plays with on that second line in a way where bobby ryan's skills are all of a sudden way better utilized obviously the goal is for the whole team to be better but in my mind those are the two things that are going to stand out and and make a difference on the scoreboard for the wings i i think the biggest difference right now I'm I'm aware there's a lot wrong with the Red Wings, but I think the biggest hindrance to them, especially offensively right now, is their breakout slash transition game. It's pitiful. It's a train wreck in every sense of the word. And the Red Wings have done a, again, Red Wings standard versus league standard, but the Red Wings have done a pretty good job once they get into the offensive zone. They can control a cycle. They get chances. They can't hit the net or finish on most of them, but they, they get their chances um, in the defensive zone, they're doing a pretty decent job of at least minimizing high danger chances. They're still giving up way more shots than you would like, but it's not like last year where it was a 10 bell alarm in the slot every time it went into the Red Wing zone. Their problem is the in-between. They can't get it from the defensive zone to the offensive zone. Um, I know I pointed out a few examples on Twitter yesterday. The The one that stood in my head of just like, okay, this system is broken and what they're doing is Carolina had a delayed penalty. Detroit got possession in their own zone, regrouped in their own zone after Bernier had left the ice. So they had six players on the ice. Carolina was on a delayed penalty, so there was no risk if they touched the puck. You didn't have to worry about a turnover. So the Red Wings basically had carte blanche to do whatever they wanted on a breakout, run a normal system, get creative, try a risky seam pass to the middle to maybe spring someone, just whatever. Like this is the easiest fight, like five on five breakout, six on five technically, you will ever get. 
they didn't get it to the blue line. Like you can't tell me that's a system that's working when you have all that going for you and you can't even get it to the blue line. And because they can't get a breakout going, this is why we see a lot of frustration from the fans because the Red Wings get to the blue line, chip and change. They dump it in. They don't get any pressure because the line has been on the ice for 45 seconds already. And they've done a ton of skating because they've had to regroup three times. So I don't care. I don't, I haven't, I shouldn't say I, the Red Wings haven't played enough for me to really dive down and say, what is the cause of this? Is it the defensemen just missing their reads? Is it the forwards being in the wrong spot? Is there a system in place that they're running and it's just not working because it, again, it looks like chaos every time they try it. So I don't know what is the ultimate blame here, but it's, it's the Red Wings single biggest problem as a team for me through the first two games that and every time the puck goes within 10 feet of Mark Stahl. Evan, your uh, Red Wings keys to the game for the next two games. Uh, how about not getting caved in your own end most of the game? Uh, generate more shooting, as in more shots. Um, and the goalies just need to keep doing their thing. The Red Wings don't generate any offense, and they're lucky that they've got two excellent finishers in Bobby Ryan and Philip Zadina on that second line. Otherwise, uh, it would, we'd be back to uh, the one-trick pony Red Wings again. Yeah. Um, I think tomorrow will be really interesting. Uh, Columbus hasn't won a game yet. And, you know, John Tortorella, if his teams are on losing streaks, is probably cracking the whip pretty hard. So they'll be pretty hungry to come out and uh, and get a win against a team like Detroit. So I think it's a good measuring stick of sort of, you know, it's only three games, the third game. But now that it's a, a different team and a, a different sort of storyline, it, it'll be interesting to see what sort of team comes out tomorrow at noon. So two more games again before we talk uh, next time on the show. Um, some other small pieces of news. Uh, Christian Juice is now in the conditioning phase of his kind of um, – <clears throat> you know, COVID protocol or non-roster or unfit to play or whatever the hell it is. Um, so he's done his two weeks and now is just getting up to game speed. So we can probably expect to see him uh, at some point in the near future. Uh, Biega was put on waivers. Not a monumental thing. I'd be surprised if he got claimed. And this is just, you're going to see a lot of movement on the Red Wings roster all year as they bring players up to the taxi squad and uh, up to the main group and sending them back down and everything. So we'll see what comes with that. Uh, Brad, your eyes just got really wide. Did something break or do you? Um, have you seen the tweet Anthony sent at us? No. Okay. Is it bad? <laughs> it's something. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my. What is this? Are we Disney-fied? I don't know. I just... that, is, that is terrifying. <laughs> wow. I could not look more aggressively, suspiciously <laughs> Middle Eastern. <laughs> yeah, like, that, that's it's funny because uh, it's right. That Evan makes looks you like look way worse. Evan, you look like every bully in every Pixar movie ever. Yeah, I've got some like weird chin strap kind of underbeard going on. <laughs> so I he he pulled the picture of me where I was doing my grow my beard out until Franz Nielsen scores a goal. And I was not keeping that thing like well groomed. Like that was a that was a wild beard. And that's what he used for this. So I now look like 
I'm on a bulletin board somewhere in an FBI field office. <laughs> I already have a hard enough time at airports, man. I don't need that. <laughs> yeah, don't put that picture anywhere. No. <laughs> uh, in other Wings news. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Another Wings news. Um, not really a big surprise, but the official announcement is probably coming. Elliot Friedman uh, has reported that Jimmy Howard is set to officially retire. So, um, great career from Jimmy. Uh, obviously, when he left Detroit, I don't know if many people were expecting him to find another landing spot. I kind of thought Kenny Holland might take a, a risk on him for Edmonton. Um, but yeah, Jimmy's calling it a career. And just want to take a moment to recognize this is a soapbox that's well-worn. We've been on this one a lot. So you, you guys are probably groaning as you hear this. But this guy deserves a ton of credit. Um, did a lot for a, the Red, a lot of Red Wings teams that had really shitty defenses. Like this guy's been getting shelled his entire career. And the fact that it was one and a half or two maybe bad seasons at the end, I'm surprised it wasn't more. Um, he's been solid, and he's kept the team afloat a lot of times when they otherwise didn't deserve it. When he was at the peak of his game, I, I thought he was among the top 10 goalies in the league, and I, I think he definitely had the skill and the ability to bring this team to a cup had there been a better roster in front of him. I don't know. I think anyone who can stand behind that Red Wings defense and just get obliterated by pucks night in and night out for as long as he did – he, deser- he deserves a ton of credit. I'll always remember Jimmy Howard fondly, and, and I don't think anyone should let the latter part of his career tarnish his reputation. Um, for what it's worth, Ryan, uh, there was a report that Ken Holland did, in fact, reach out to Jimmy Howard. Uh, Jimmy said he was just happy spending time with his family, so he declined. I guess that was kind of his like, yeah, I should probably retire moment. Good for you, Jimmy. Ken- All these jokes about people keep sending me, oh, Edmonton's and goalie problems. Are we going to get a first for Bernier? And like... No, because of the border and it's still early. But the Ken Holland's pension for former Red Wings makes me think ah, maybe. <laughs> but um, there know, are other players in the league. It's like uh, Stan Bowman in Chicago. Like you can have other players other than players that you've gotten rid of. Yeah, honestly. Um, but and it's like Pittsburgh and Minnesota. You guys know you can trade with other teams, right? But yeah, Jimmy, I Jimmy slander will not be tolerated in this house. Like he was uh, an upper end goalie for a couple of years as part of his career and above average for most of his career. And again, Ryan's right. Good with a good team. He could go on a run. Uh, he just never really had all that good of a team. He had two Lidstrom years <laughs> and they, yeah. I think made it out of the first round both years. So he was at least that capable. And that was his rookie and sophomore season. Um, yeah, I don't think he'll ever get the respect from Red Wings fans that he actually deserves because the team success did not come while he was there. But it's a shame because he does deserve to go down as one of the better Red Wings goalies of all time. But we know this is a franchise that looks at W's above all else, as, as you should. But at the same time, when judging a career of an individual player, context matters. And Jimmy I- didn't get much in his favor. I remember, I think when it was while we were doing the podcast, there was a year where uh, be- just before the All Star break, he was having potentially Vesna quality numbers. Oh, and then I- he got and then he got hurt, and I think he was supposed to go to the All Star game. We sent somebody else, and he came back, and it was never really the same. Yep, I remember that season very, very well. I want to say it was. Well, it had to be four. I want to say podcast. it was. It was either thirteen, fourteen, or fourteen. 15 is what my gut's telling me but yeah i remember like you looked at his numbers 
um, before his injury, like he legitimately probably was the Vesna front runner at that point, especially in the context of he didn't have a good team in front of him. And then, yeah, just the injury happened. He missed a month or so. And then he only had like six or seven games when he came back. And when you have that small of a time frame after an injury, that ah, doesn't really work all that well for you. Yeah, that year I was oh, man, more even more than the Vesna. He was actually, for a small period of time there, well on pace to break Marty Brodeur's wins record that year. Like, Detroit was just clicking in a lot of ways. And then, obviously, it's easy to say, oh, he was he wouldn't have beat that record. And that's probably true. But still, that was a great year for Jimmy. That's the one that always sticks out in my head when I think this is how good Jimmy Howard could be. Yeah, he was basically above 900 his entire career. And he had one where he was like 923 and 924 in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, on not particularly decent teams uh elsewhere in the nhl uh jacob voracek <laughs> travis connecty's face while jacob voracek unloaded on a reporter was hysterical i don't know the full backstory there but it was just funny as hell to see people were equating this reporter to the steve simmons of toronto of, of philadelphia and so people are posting old tweets and old articles that that guy had wrote and basically said, like, Drew and Voracek are the reason why this team's not winning, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, may as well get your shots in. The fine's not going to be that bad anyway. And I'm sure that the guys in the locker room are definitely chipping in for that one. <laughs> I already love Travis Konechny. I think he's hilarious and an awesome hockey player. But watch him work his damnedest to keep his face straight. <laughs> And then the next so question good. was for him. They were like, uh, Travis. And then he goes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Henrik Lundqvist uh, is currently recovering, which is great to see. So I think he's going to be in. I think he's in Cleveland. That's where he had his surgery. And then he's going to be up in New York soon after with his family. I heard, so I heard something about that hospital, uh, like the cardiac or cardiology department there is where like the queen like royalty go to have heart related yeah. surgery so you know he's in good hands well he is a monarch he is royalty they don't is call he? him king, king henrik for nothing oh i thought you meant like actual i mean sweden's a big country maybe he, he probably <laughs> is he's already a rock star he's probably uh royalty in some capacity they he probably actually wasn't, but the Swedes looked at him. They're like, "Wow, this guy is our I, best ambassador in so many ways." We're just gonna we're gonna lie and say he is. No one could say no. Yeah. If oh, Henrik okay. Lundqvist came over one day and said, "Hey, I'm actually your grandfather," I'd be like, "All right, yeah, you're <laughs> right." Makes sense biologically, <laughs> but yes. Uh, any other news before we jump into overtime here? Mm, no okay i mean i'm sure uh, there is but none that we care to talk about no uh, i mean we can do 30 minutes on jay bowmeister retiring or 30 minutes on tim schuessler's sweet first goal in the nhl oh that was so good that it was like yeah. a half volley and so like, yeah he literally timed it hitting the ice to just unload and got <laughs> all nuts. of it like that it like my god the byfield haters were having the best day Oh, I have man. a couple uh, Sens fan friends, and one of them sent it to me, and the other one was like, you like that? And I was like, man, I was – like, anyone with a brain could tell you Stutzler was going to come in and be good right away. Like, his biggest thing, like, he's a top three pick, and he's extremely mature and probably ready to jump in right away, especially on Ottawa. Like, don't be surprised. It's 
he's the Kachuk pick, but a much better prospect overall. Like, Ottawa fans have a lot to look forward to. Yeah. And For like two to three years until he's a UFA. Yeah. And the fact he never had to wear their atrocity version of a jersey and they get the he gets to wear this elite uniform that the Senators now use. It's just, it's oh, win-win. It's Those so black good. jerseys are mm, chef's kiss. Unreal. All right, we're going to jump into overtime, starting with uh, our Patreon supporters. Um, for new listeners, the overtime segment is where we take uh, questions and comments from fans, listeners, uh, starting with Patreon, because these are the people who allow the show to go grow and something else. I'm not really that good at rhyming. Uh, we're going to start with Brendan Taylor, who says, my girlfriend has just recently gotten, uh, gotten into being a Wings fan. What can I do to enhance her experience as she doesn't know much about the Wings or the, or hockey itself? Keep up the great work, boys. Um, the, f- the first, uh, someone replied and said, give her free alcohol to cope, which is good. Um, secondly, find documentaries, videos, uh, anything going through the Red Wings glory years working up to the glory year. So I'd say from like 95 all the way through Oh two, like all those storylines, like really build the Red Wings legacy that way. Even like throwing on like, um, the HBO road to the winter classic when no, Pat was still the coach. Yeah. Those it's, weren't good times. They weren't good times, but at least it gets the inside the organization a little bit, even though I don't even know who remains at this point. So here's my counter take to these two, because as someone who truly appreciate, loves and adores the Red Wings legacy, it's created a standard that I don't know if any future iterations of this team will ever hold up to. Just teach her about the last four years. That way we come off as the lovable losers. That way, if we're ever good again, hey, it's fun. It's not like, oh, finally. It's like, oh, my God, we're actually That's such good. a Bill's take on it. It is. And do you know how <laughs> fun the past three weeks have been because of it? There's Evan, there's only two more days this year left of Brad just randomly tweeting, let's go. I'd rather be, you know, the phoenix that rises from the ashes. Yeah. The once historic and gold standard franchise trying to come back to that, even though we're we're like... We're not even copper at best. <laughs> it's, um, Ryan, it's funny you mentioned that too, because tweeting about the Bills for made me remember what it's like to tweet just as a fan, not like, because we have to, we overanalyze everything and break down everything, yada, 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 just like raw emotion. Let's fucking go. I forgot what that <laughs> felt like, and it was nice. <laughs> Uh, Antonio Gracia says after uh, gotten getting caught caught up with Bobby Ryan's story, uh, what other players, past or present, have stories that are worth sharing? Oh my God, so many! Uh, how do I narrow this down? If you want to focus on this year, I mean, literally, this is Oscar Lindblom's first full season back from cancer. Uh, Craig Anderson and what his he went through uh, in recent history with his wife's brain cancer um, and the shadow he had in his first game back. Breaking down on the ice was crazy. I mean, everybody knows who Mario Lemieux is, but I don't think people realized how bad Mario Lemieux's health was during the 90s. He did some insane shit for what he was going through, um, which, again, does not get the recognition it deserves. Wasn't he like a two-point per game player when he came back the year after you? His cancer was cured. He had a season where he missed about half of the season to have his uh, radiation or chemo, whatever he was doing for his lymphoma. Yeah, that's and then right. came back and won the Art Ross. Yeah, that is insane. <laughs> that's a cold as hell. <laughs> that is 
I like that would be literally like Connor McDavid starting a season game forty and then putting up a hundred points and and winning it. Like I I can't even think show about my that. Beer league. I can't show up to beer league when I'm hungover. Someone let showed, alone what Marilyn you did. Like if someone's in the Art Ross conversation and they miss ten games, we we scream from the hilltops that we should that he should win the heart. Mario missed half a season and legitimately won the scoring race. Like Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, Caitlin Wood says, Brome is a good boy. Hironic kept the walls from collapsing in. Zadina is a very, very good boy, and Larkin is a captain. There's a lot to prove, and the win wasn't entirely pretty, but uh, damned if I'm not proud of my little lads giving it their all. Hang in there, dub-dubs, and stay, stay safe. Um, Hatrick Swayze says, hi, guys. Hope you're all doing well. Do you think Brome is our new Damian Bruner? He's looked sharp so far. I'd like to see him get some minutes on the third line soon. Anyway, stay fresh, cheese bags. Uh, Bruner was very much a one-trick pony. He was offense or bust. Brome seems to have a more well-rounded game. I don't think Brome will ever be an offensive dynamo. I don't think he'll be a top six guy, but he's got enough to his game that he can fill a few different roles, which makes me believe there's probably a longer-term option here for him, especially considering... The guys who are playing in the bottom six right now, Darren Helm and Luke Lindenning, both unrestricted free agents at the end of the year. Franz Nielsen, uh, that contract can't end soon enough and a great bio candidate at the end of this season. Um, so there's, there's going to be spots there for Brome and this season is just his audition and I, I so far so good. So I'll bet on some role in the future. Uh, Taylor Tadgill, who I believe, yes, brand new patron. So welcome, Taylor, to the Dub Dub family. Uh, says, hi, guys. New patron from London, Ontario. Oh, not too far from us. Uh, I'm been sorry. Wings. Yeah. Uh, these guys from Kitchener, I'm from Windsor. So we're both going to collectively rip on your city. Um, <laughs> been a Wings fan my whole life, and I'm so glad I found your podcast while living in Leafland. Zadina with a takeaway into an assist reminded me of Datsuk. Thoughts on Zadina's energy during the game. Clearly, he uh, was always the most excited. Jumping into Fabry's arms like long-lost lovers made me smile. If anybody tries to um, uh, old hockey guy that out of Zadina, I will fist fight you. Like Zadina's energy on the ice during play and after goals is the best on the team. And it makes me love him even more. And if I ever see his spirit broken, I will weep. Yeah, if you bully Zadina, if anyone tries to bully Zadina for being pumped that his team is doing well, we'll we will find you and we will hit you with words. I said that last part for legal reasons. Yes. Um, if you use the phrase act like you've done it before, we will hit you with big, heavy words. <laughs> and you know how hard it is for Brad to lift big, heavy words? He doesn't read too good. <laughs> Cody Stark says the best goaltending in the show, Bernier Grice and Hronik. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I forgot we didn't about even that. that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, Nemesnikov ruined my pick for first goal of the year with the most uncreative breakaway move ever. Finally, Mickey hates the wings, power play zone entry, so Bilesma must change it now. Mick, Ken and Mick are like no holds barred this season. I know. I know. Okay. I'm so happy someone brought this up because I appreciate that both sides of this because. Ken and Mick don't give a shit. They're like, if we have to deal with this all year. We're calling it as we see it. Whereas Murphy and uh, Keats are coming in and they have to be like positive and optimistic. So viewers won't give up on the team by game four. And people are pointing out like Nemeth 
jumped on the ice and then jumped back off the ice to avoid it too many men and they like showered him with praise for it and someone on twitter's like oh my god is this really what we're resorting to and i'm like oh yeah what the hell else are they gonna talk about at that point so i have so much sympathy for that crew and i respect whatever angle they take but i am a thousand percent here for more of ken and mickey's absolute bullshit just ripping on the team uh neil g another new patron welcome neil and thank you for your support uh says hey guys new or hey gents new patron here all the way from the great state of alaska oh uh i grew up in michigan and i've always been a wings fan i'm happy to finally be supporting the best red wings podcast around hey thanks neil um man i want to go to alaska me too the snowboarding there is insane hook me up yeah Neil, we're going to hit you up one day when all this is over. Says the boys looked decent last night, especially Zadina. It's so nice to see him craftily take the puck in the offensive zone, but it pains me to watch Stahl on the ice. Far too many times he looked frozen and just straight up puck watching. You can't tell me that he's a better option than Cholosky. What do you guys think? Anyways, happy to be here and go wings. I uh, I have a gut feeling that he's here because there was a handshake like we'll, we're getting a second round pick, but we might actually have to play him to get him to waive his uh, no trade because... Yeah, he is bad. I am curious to see what's going to happen, though, with um, Juice coming into town because they can't send him to the taxi squad or the AHL because he'd have to go through waivers again. And in which case, I would imagine Anaheim would just claim him right back. Um, So which is also why I think Biega went on waivers and they, they're not going to claim Juice to not play him. I would think that would just seem like a waste, but. I don't know. I nobody, None of the other five deserve to come out of the lineup. If anybody's coming out of the lineup, it has to be Stahl. So I I really don't know. Uh, Josh Terrell says, tough time for cord cutters in the Detroit area. All the major streaming companies uh, don't have agreements with Fox Sports Detroit. And NHL TV blacks out the games for 48 hours. Should be interesting if Fox Sports Detroit gets this resolved soon. Um, I know some other people in comments have uh, posted uh, tutorials on how to possibly get out around blackouts i've never done that and i wouldn't legally condone that but it wouldn't be hard to find i would never download a car <laughs> it's the pirate's life for me i would never drive a car i downloaded i'd download it just no to me neither <laughs> uh ghost of podcast pass says how does glenn denning have three prime scoring chances within 10 feet of the net <laughs> shoot the puck on all three and have zero shots to show for it like he's an NHL player, right? I love him, but that was bad. <laughs> I know. Bar down or bust. Yeah. Luke Glendening does not aim center mass. He he literally is posting in or not at all. I think his shooting percentage is legitimately higher on the backhand. It's funny though, I was actually thinking about it. Every goal I remember Luke Glendening scoring has actually gone bar and in. I don't Cool uh, obviously he's probably he's probably scored 50 goal in his career and i i remember five of them but still do you think he's scored 50 oh god no probably not luke glendening let's see how many oh my god it defaults to <sighs> he has scored oh 51 no shit. oh look at me go yeah uh oh, and and the spinner M against tampa bay i'll never forget that one Yes, yes. Uh, Kay Stangy says, hey, guys, had this conversation with my buddies the other day and wanted to see what your guesses are. We settled on somewhere between 5 and 10%. The question being, what percentage of NHL players have won the Stanley Cup during their careers? I think it's higher than 10%. I think it is just with trades and everything. So 
I'd say 15. I'm thinking 15. I, and I think it might even be higher than 15. I can't see it. There's 30 teams. I can't see it. Uh, then again, if an average career is about 10 years ballpark, that means t- in theory, 10 different teams. That's 200 ish players, 250 with healthy scratches and whatnot. You know what? You know what? 250 out of 750. This might break 20%. Like, I know guys retire, rookies come in and out, so it won't be the even one third like that math would dictate. But yeah, that might be a higher than we think. Yeah, I'll put this closer to like maybe 18 or 19. I, I, one day I'll do the math on that, or maybe Evan will do it. We're going to see him furiously oh God, typing no. one day. <laughs> uh, the actual Terry says, oh, here we go. Uh, it's so refreshing to hear you guys make bad takes about hockey instead of bad takes about pandemics, financial markets, housing markets, etc. Keep that shit up and you might just make it on the top 100 wings podcast. Yeah. Thank you, actual Terry, for your never ending support. <laughs> Ryan Kern says, hey, boys, uh, Brad, I know you'll like this one. I'm watching the opening night game with my girlfriend over Zoom. She's not a hockey fan. And as the Wings run a power play in third, I was complaining about their breakout. Uh, I was basically narrating exactly what was going to happen. Okay, so he's going to drop back. He's going to skate it through the neutral zone, pass it to the guy standing still who brings it over the line, dump it in, etc. It's so predictable. The other thing I noticed was when a player is skating it in on the wing, they'll curl up right at the circle and pin it against the boards or try to pass the point while waiting for everyone else to catch up. Am I wrong in thinking they'd get better opportunities by trying to take it behind the net? Yeah, I hate everything about the Red Wings breakout transition and uh, zone entries. They do none of that well uh, outside of a handful of players who are capable of doing it by themselves. Uh, I think that list starts and ends with Larkin, Mantha, and Zadina. Um, I really don't care what they try. Anything but what they're doing now is all I'm asking anything like i i remember watching fabry come up the boards on what was already a scrambled neutral zone transition look at zadina streaking through the middle of the ice and then looking him off and dumping it in to which carolina got the puck turned it around drove up ice and forced to take a penalty so literally anything else would be fine uh jake nagy says i've nearly forgotten the joy that comes with the red wings win what a great feeling but as we know the season will be mostly despair so here's a question to bring us back down to earth what wing over the past decade has been most frustrating for you to watch oh this is an easy answer for me was discussing this with my family and some candidates were erickson lilia quincy and luke witkowski oh hey take it easy on witter uh that answer for me is jonathan erickson i i uh, I could not understand playing him the way this team played him from nearly day one. Drove me insane. Drove me nuts. And it sucks because he's a good guy, and it's not his fault that he got overpaid and overplayed. But, yeah, drove me nuts. Overpaid and overplayed, you say? Just an advocator. Come on down. Damn it. There's my answer, because I legitimately loved the dude, and I hated that the whole fan base had to turn on him because he was so bad and so misused. Now I don't even know who to pick. You guys took the top two candidates. Steve Ott, because he got traded before no. he can give you. Yeah. You you lost out on your. Uh, that was <laughs> your a sad, team. sad day and has been since. Oh, man. You've gone downhill. I, you didn't have bags under your eyes until that day. <laughs> a lot of things changed that day. A lot of misfortune ever since. Uh, hey, someone tweeted. I. <sighs> 
I, I should have asked at the time, but someone tweeted or someone posted somewhere. They said Evan got engaged, and I didn't yeah. know whether you actually got engaged or like Ben Affleck got engaged or something stupid like that. Or Shea, Shea Weber. Weber's already married. No. Yeah. I don't know. Catherine saw that. She's like, "What? What? What's going on on Twitter?" I was like, "What?" She's like, "People are saying you're engaged." I was like, "That's news to me." <laughs> I was like, the, is that news to you in case I forgot? And you just like, look at her and you're me. just like, no. You're like, no, we definitely didn't. Looks down at her hands. Yeah, no, I didn't. <laughs> it's, I like, All right, good night. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it means something or it says a lot, though, when my first response is not, no, he's not. It's, did this fucker get engaged and not tell us? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like not. engaged, married. Uh, Kat's currently five months pregnant. We would have no idea. I could legitimately I'll, see it happening. One hundred percent. Evan will probably tell us about the wedding three days before, accidentally. Yeah, no, it'll be like. So are you guys coming later today? Coming to what? <laughs> hey, where are you guys? <laughs> We're not recording till eight tonight. No, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, can't make it tonight. Why not? Oh, I'm getting married. <laughs> you laugh, but that may actually be how it happens. <laughs> Evan Beckner says, having watched both games so far, I'm not sure how Mantha has become the whipping boy already. Obviously, we want him to score, uh, but I thought he was fine. Him and Bert had quite a few chances shut down by Carolina because they apparently practiced nothing but how to knock down saucer passes. I've seriously never seen so many pucks knocked out of the air since Lidstrom retired. Carolina has a scary decor. Imagine trading Justin Falk and getting better. Must be nice. Yeah, that's a great way to put that. Yeah, that's fair. Jacob but Slavin I'll- is one of, if oh. not the most underrated defenseman in the NHL. Not anymore. He's not. Everybody's figured out. He was a Norris finalist last year, wasn't he? Or just off the ballot. But I've uh, been on it. Yeah. My my argument against Mantha and Bertuzzi just having bad luck is if they're knocking down every pass, try something else. <laughs> maybe have the puck. Yeah. Maybe have maybe skate past them so that you have distance where they can't knock it down. I don't know. Just they were bad. Uh, first name bunch of numbers it says imagine if Helm played last night would have been like eight two. Um, like Carolina? <laughs> oh, Liz, I am going to get heat for that one. Yeah. Liz B says, I absolutely love Zadina's reactions to goals, be it his own or a teammate's. It's like rainbows and sunshine. Um, Slava Kozlov's doppelganger says, so I stand by my comment that Carolina are a bunch of wankers, but they're also a bunch of twits, twats, and muppets. <laughs> anyway, I uh, bet Canucks Twitter is going crazy now with regret, regret about their Zadina slander. Zadina is a plus two while he uses only a measly plus one. Checkmate, <laughs> you Canadian fools. <laughs> Sticking with my Russian theme of the many young Russian goalies uh, incoming into the league, who will be the best of the bunch? Also, why does Russia have success developing goalies but no other position? Um, I, God, they're all, all the good Russian goalies are so young. I'm going to go... With Shesterkin, even though I have high hopes for him, Sorokin, and Askarov, but I think Shesterkin is in the best situation of the three for long-term success with the team in front of him. So that's my tiebreaker. Yeah, I don't really. I I think Sorokin's really good, <clears throat> but uh, in terms of where the Islanders are and where I think they're going to go in the next five-ish or so years, I don't think he's the. The obvious choice in in that group, and Askarov may not even play. Well, he probably will. If he can't hold on to his stick, but yeah, but uh, Nashville's going the other way too. So I think we kind of just ruled it out by elimination. 
Uh, Lars, the prophet of the towering behemoth, says hello from a snow-covered Skarplinge, Sweden. I'm sorry for that. Uh, there, now that you undoubtedly just butchered another Swedish name, I have a player from the past question. If you could add any one of these guys in their peak to the Red Wings, which would you pick out of? Oh, wow. Peter Klima, Alexander uh, Selivanov, Yuri Kmilev, 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 Himilev, Himilev. That's how his name is written. I've never seen it written down, but I've heard his name a million times. Himilev. I think so. If it's, I'm not looking at the text, but I think that's yeah, who you're yeah, talking yeah. about. Michael Renberg or Brian Noonan? It's a good list. I'm going to go with Renberg. I would say Klima just be based off familiarity with the player, honestly. Renberg and his Legion of Doom days. Hard to go against it. Uh, personally, I'm stoked that the Red Wings versus the BJ team is on at 1800 in Sweden. Yay, primetime lethargic hockey. Hey, yeah, this is a gift game for the Swedes. <laughs> Uh, another new patron says good day dud duds new patron here all the way from redacted really glad I found your podcast so I have four more accounts to at on Twitter machine uh, maybe Jimmy Devolano is right and Mantha is just a spare part and to think we could have had a Pierre-Luc Dubois via trade uh, which we could have used to fleece uh, burger van for Nick Suzuki and Romanov neither of which sound French enough to play for Montreal figure it out Eisman. hey you, know you want to you want to start the conspiracy theories if you trade for if you trade Mantha for Dubois while they're in the same city, you avoid the quarantine protocol. <laughs> and guess who Detroit's next two games are against? Uh, at least the golden boy, Philip Zadina, is helping to fill the net with pucks. I can't help but point out the obvious correlation between hashtag elite mentor, Darren Helm returning to practice, and Zadina being heaps good as well as the team winning. Darren Helm, three-year contract extension ASAP. Jersey time. Cop guy, what Bills jersey combo do you want to see them rock next week? Stay fresh cheese bags. Blue on white. best. It's their best combination by far. Blue jersey, white pants all the time. If uh, not, a- white on white retros. AJ Voss says Mantha's going to snap his slump in game four against Chicago. So then all the haters can shift from Mantha sucks and is lazy to Mantha only performs against bad teams because he's lazy. <laughs> Uh, third man in says now that the wings have clearly fixed all their problems will they have to put the discover logo on their central division champions banner <laughs> i hope so i want to remember i want the red wings to not be catastrophically bad this season because i want to vividly remember all the silliness from this year it's it's we're like this is the season we're gonna tell our grandkids about in 50 years how we still played hockey when the world ended and then rattle off all the dumb shit we tried did and all that fun stuff uh quaz says two things my dudes does the team have enough talent to potentially overperform our conservative expectations no if we're talking like they finished with 80 points instead of 72 sure if we're talking like this is a playoff team i I genuinely don't think it's there i think the excitement comes from how much better this team is than last year which is two different things yep uh and number two should mantha actually get put into the pk i heard the light chatter I think they should try everything. I'm all for it if he plays like Anthony Mantha, not if he plays like he did the last two games. Uh, RC Tendi says, holy shnikes, Mark Stahl is bad. Uh, I would bet money that if he played with a Cholosky jersey on, he would have been benched last game. Hopefully he's not. He's the first to get scratched for either Cholosky or Juice. Uh, Michael Barry says, hey, guys, do you think Eisenman has given up on Ken Holland's prospects? It seems like they're not getting player uh, over a guy, as Brad likes to say. Also, Bills over Mahomes list Chiefs. 
you're crazy if you think Mahomes isn't going to play. The NFL's concussion protocol is a joke. Mahomes will play. I'll bet money on it. But uh, anyways, um, I don't think so. I, I still tend to believe that there's a lot of truth to Eisman's trying to protect them. And Eisman still believes in the old school Detroit thinking of over ripening your prospects. And let's be honest, outside of Chalosky, I don't think anybody really is NHL ready. And even Chalosky, in my opinion, it's like barely. Um, most teams, he wouldn't be NHL ready, but obviously given the Mark Stahl conundrum, he should be in there. But yeah, I, I don't think there's any sort of allegiance or non-allegiance with these prospects. Uh, Tyrone Bigham's brand big bag of titties says, <laughs> which non-Red Wing alumni would you take in fantasy? I feel like I've made so many mistakes in fantasy this week, but having Dylan in the second game come up clutch. Not much else, but thanks a lot, guys. Uh, what? Non-Red Wing? Wayne Gretzky. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was the question? Which non-Red Wings alumni would you take in fantasy? So anyone who's never played for Detroit? Yeah. Wayne Gretzky? Mario Lemieux. There you go. Switch it up. <laughs> Bobby Orr. I'm going to maximize the points from the blue line. Yarmor Yager. Uh, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags of Fournier Company says, hey there, fellas. Obviously, the Wings are a playoff team now. We're seeing how effective Mantha will be late in his career when he loses a step. As for now, trading him for Pierre-Luc Dubois would be bad. I'd give two seconds in a Bergeron or Valeno at most for a talented yet underwhelming center who is a non-factor on the power play and face-offs and has a shit attitude. Adam Ernie is like a soda machine. When you pour salt water into the coin slot and it starts randomly rocketing cans in various directions, will I be rewarded? Will I get hurt? Was this a good idea? Is that a thing with pop machines you put salt in the coin slot i didn't i've never known of that Man, you, you, you new yorkers are another breed <laughs> you guys are insane um no one should be surprised about mark stall he is what uh we knew he'd be got to cement his status on that bottom pair and make sure we lose big on waivers instead uh that way we can avoid fixing the left point of the power play by keeping chalowski on the taxi squad stay fresh chalowski bags uh woodson too says good evening can someone explain to me why ernie is on the wings it doesn't make sense i've looked at it and the only solution is that the wings are doing a long-term make a wish for him (laughs) (laughs) it's a charity game it's a charity game i mean i have no strong feelings one way or another of adam ernie Uh, there's a lot of guys i'd rather have in there but it's also not a hill i'm willing to die on um over to Reddit, we have time for a couple more questions. Wings fan sixty four, uh, hey fellows, I'd love to support. Hey, if you can't support, by all means, literally just commenting, sharing the show with your friends, listening. That's fine by us. Do not feel bad about about that. These are tough times. You take care of yourself first. Uh, which popular player do you always forget about? For me, it's Kessel. Now that he's in Arizona, um, probably going to add a lot of goalies to the list now that they all played musical teams this off season. Uh, yeah. Which popular player have I forgot about? Okay, well, now I actually have to think about someone I haven't thought about in a while. Um, okay, let's narrow it down. Probably going to be someone out west because of, you know, hashtag East Coast bias. It's been a while since I've put any thought into Andre Kopitar. I'm going to go with him. Yeah, I think he's just been a victim of the Kings not really doing much with that team after that. Well, they, they went all in on their... Um cups and then they kind of waffled for a while uh before choosing a direction um 1327 let's go red wings says which non-wings organization has your favorite color commentator team 
and which Red Wings commentator is your favorite slash least favorite and why is your man people really rip on Murph um uh, Mick ha- it, Mick wins everyone's hearts can either Ken or Mick non wings color commentators Bob Cole considered <laughs> he's retired so, uh, God I really okay I'm gonna go three separate answers because two of them are Canadian here I I will listen to any game Jim Houston or Chris Cuthbert is calling and in the states if I have to go like team specific color commentator I really like Joe Beninati out in Washington what about I'll say Gord Miller yeah he's good too that's a good call yeah you know what TSN did a great job calling the world juniors yeah um captain canada seven uh according to the current standings our wings are equally as talented as the avs blues oilers canucks penguins islanders rangers and hurricanes um all joking aside if you haven't already gone over this ad nauseum did you guys notice any drastic improvements slash adjustments from blash hill compared to game one that gives you hope nope not a single goddamn one yeah they scored um i might my answer on this stays the same I haven't noticed anything different. Brad gave you the fine details on why that's the case last episode and this episode, but I'm really going to reserve judgment until probably a month from now just to get give the team time to get warmed up, really. Ryan, why are you reserving judgment? It's literally our goddamn job to analyze these things. <laughs> it's, you know, I think... Yes, I won't. we won't form definitive conclusions for a while, but we're going to start forming conclusions as we go. We kind of have to. If Detroit comes out tomorrow doing the exact same thing against a wildly different hockey team in Columbus, that may, that'll give us a pretty good indication of... Of yeah, things that are happening or if, not happening. If Detroit's neutral zone transitions look great tomorrow, I'll be like, okay, Carolina just had a great game plan against us and they they played us properly or Blashill made an adjustment. Either way, yay. Um, last comment here is from Twitter. It's a hashtag ask WWP question from the 0708 wings. Uh, it says, what would you need to see from Zadina before you would regard him as better than Quinn Hughes? Ah. <laughs> Um, twenty to twenty-five goal play pace. I I, I think you're looking no, at yeah, point, point no. per game pace here. You'd have Hughes is like in Norris talks, like potential yeah. Norris winner. Like Zidane is going to have to put up thirty plus goals regularly to be in the conversation. Unfortunately, you need yeah, you need a point per game pace here. Yeah, like reality because. Quinn Hughes is going to put up fifty to sixty points on the regulars, <laughs> and he's a defenseman, so Zidane is going to have to go beyond that. He's gonna have to have a year where he's we're thinking he's gonna hit fifty. Like maybe seriously, actually, seriously. Yeah. like he he would have to do something like that. Yeah, not to be a negative and not to dump on Zadina. In a redraft, Zadina still goes in the top six, but in a redraft, Quinn Hughes is in the conversation for first overall. So, like, it, it might sound like hyperbolic, but he may have to be like David Pasternak. Um. Okay. That is this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. We will be back with you uh, in all likelihood on Wednesday night. So two games between now and then. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, the season is well underway. We're having fun. We'd like to thank all of our listeners, our name-level sponsors, uh, Arjun Shanker, Brett Bailey, Taylor Tadgill, uh, brand-new name-level name sponsor. Thank you, Taylor. Uh, Kyle, Ryan Hubbard. Uh, Ryan, welcome to the show, or uh, welcome to the name-level sponsors. Great name. R.A., uh, the Detroit, let me see this, the Detroit Deep Dish Drop Pass, <laughs> <laughs> Zach Spring, Citizen High Five, uh, Cody Stark, Greach, Jeremiah Dobo, Jake Kiefer, Tyrone Bigham's 
brand big old bag of titties. Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Craig Kibble, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Kaylin Wood, Hassam Al-Kassem, Hana Lee, uh, Ease Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, uh, Sam Bankson, Zach Van, Josh Yelton, Trevor Pevavar, Evans Bingo Card, Ashley Van Conant, Beer Guy, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matt Keeler, St- Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Afornia Company, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Joseph Minima, Quaz, and Stan Olson. Thank you guys so much. Uh, we will be back with you midweek. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.